0: Hi church, my name is Ruby and I'll be bringing us the Bible reading for today. Today's Bible reading comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. People then started bringing to Jesus children for him to lay his hands on, but his disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw what they were doing, he was furious and said, let the children come to me. Don't prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Jesus then took the children in his arms, placed his hands upon them and blessed them. You need to hear the utter seriousness in three-year-old Sophia's voice as she says, Mommy, I'm not joking, I'm not kidding I, and I'm not playing, I need chocolate. I found that in a Huffington Post article on the funny things that kids sometimes say. Let me give you a couple more highlights. Uh, Henry, who's also three years old. Darth Vader is a really crabby guy. I think he lives in Australia. Or there's Marley, aged four. I think Dr. Zeus's first name is Arthur. People who write books are Arthur's, so his name must be Arthur Zeus. Now, They're funny, and particularly uh, because they're kids' voices. We like stories about kids being kids. Uh, Their amusing blunders, their fanciful ideas, and of course, some of the classic stories uh, from your youth. Uh, You might remember continue this trend. Uh, Cinderella, for example, she's a bit of a goose, really, isn't she? Uh, Jack, who sells a perfectly decent cow for a handful of beans, because as we know, all kids just love beans, what was he thinking? And then Little Red Riding Hood, who can't tell the difference between her grandmother and a wolf. It's pretty easy to point out that there are lots of stories that treat kids very much as kids. But on the other hand, there's a rich vein of stories where the children are the clueiest of the characters. There's the, uh, the ones where they're the heroes in the Kids Catch the Crook books, uh, like the Famous Five or the Hardy Boys. Uh, they have all the adventures in Peter Pan or Anne of Green Gables. They save the world in Harry Potter or the Hunger Games. Now those are are two very different portrayals of how children are seen in our literature. Uh, Either on the one hand they're reasonably infantile or on the other they're adults in kids clothing and yet in their own context we accept both sorts. Uh, Both versions are legitimate depending on the story that they arrive in. Well today we're looking at a short but famous episode from Mark's Gospel where Jesus has young children brought to him and he commends their type of faith to us the question is what sort of children are we finding here in this story uh, how are we to know what their faith is like if we can't work out how to how to view them and if we can't f- figure out what their faith is like then how are we going to imitate it is Jesus telling us well just keep it simple like Sophia God I'm not joking I'm not kidding and I'm not playing I I just want to follow Jesus. Or is he instead pointing us to a wisdom beyond their years, to children who know not to be distracted by all the various worries that their parents keep stumbling over? If we don't know what Jesus means by receiving the kingdom like a little child, then we won't know really how to do that for ourselves, and that's not great news. So, what kind of tale is this? There's obviously not a lot of words to this story, but even so, there are a few details that we can pick up. Uh, Jesus has been performing a range of miraculous cures over the last few chapters. And it's become quite the thing to bring your sick and dying to him for a quick consultation. It now looks like people have decided to get ahead of the queue, and to bring their children to be cured even before they become sick. It's a preemptive strike. But it makes sense. You can understand it. There's definitely something about Jesus So let's see if we can get him to rub off some of that onto little Junior. The disciples are once again in their familiar role as blunderers to remind us who identify with them that maybe we've got to learn something too. Uh, They don't want to see Jesus running behind schedule for superfluous customers. So they rebuke the parents. But then Jesus' response to that seems much stronger than their rebuke was. It's not often that we come across Jesus with steam coming out of his ears, is it? It takes a fair bit to get him riled up. It seems out of proportion, to be honest. But when he speaks, we discover why it's so important to him. Now, there's a misunderstanding here, obviously, but it turns out to be a misunderstanding not about Jesus' target market, uh, but instead about what it means to receive the kingdom of God. And given that that's what Mark has had Jesus talking about since the very first chapter, to misunderstand that is pretty serious. And that being the case, let me lay my cards on the table here. The key thing that Jesus has to say in this passage is, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I remember, uh, I I couldn't couldn't find it on Google, A, a complete failure, I'm sorry, but going back about 20 years or so ago, there was this weird little cult that used to turn up at public events, all of them dressed just in nappies. They'd be standing outside the SCG on the first day of the test in their oversized nappies trying to drum up membership. They looked like complete nongs, of course, but they were doing it because they'd misread this passage. Doesn't say, doesn't say, he doesn't say, whoever is not like a child will not receive the kingdom of God. His point is not to say that we should be childish, but that our receiving should be like that of a child. Now that might seem like a subtle distinction, but it's an important one. Uh, When I ring my mother up on Mother's Day, I don't speak to her in baby talk, but I do speak to her as a son. So what does it mean to receive something like a child? Well, In this passage, we're given two ways of spotting it, uh, uh, of getting a sense for it. In verse 13, notice, it's the parents who bring their kids to Jesus. It's not that the kids are some kind of spiritual prodigies. They've been nagging their parents for weeks. Please, please take us to Jesus. We think he's the saviour of the world. No, they're just kids. They're going where their parents take them. The second pointer comes at the end of our passage, in verse 16. Jesus takes the children in his arms, Jesus places his hands on them and Jesus blesses them. Again, the kids are just there, acted upon. There's no signs of initiative from them. They simply accept what Jesus gives. And so there's the answer. What Jesus is saying is that receiving something like a child is, well, it's just receiving. There's no taking. There's no going after something, there's no searching out, it's simply what happens when you're given something. Now Mark is a smart cookie and so to make sure that we get this vital point, he actually spends the rest of the chapter kind of making the point over and over again. The very next episode is one that Langdon preached on a couple of weeks ago with the rich man who comes up to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A question that probably sounded quite Uh, wise and thoughtful and mature when it was delivered. But hear what he says? What must I do? It's the wrong question. It's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus gives to us freely. We can't do anything. Now the disciples in that story are amazed when Jesus tells them, uh, when Jesus tells the man that he needs to do the one thing that he can't. They don't know how good they've got it. Jesus has already brought them into the kingdom under his care. In fact, in verse 24, he calls them children, but I don't think they noticed it. And so he does what preachers tend to do when their audience needs a wake-up call. He tells a joke. We know the line, it's about a camel going through the eye of a needle, which, of course, is pretty ridiculous. But we miss part of the joke. Uh, The word here in the Greek for camel is kamelos. It's not hard to remember if you ever wanted to learn a Greek word. But it's very close to another word, kamilos, which means rope. Now I don't think Jesus picked this gag out for his disciples. He was probably speaking Aramaic to them. But in the Greek, as Mark recorded this for us, we're meant to hear this read out to us. Uh, <laughs> good one, Jesus. Imagine trying to put a rope through the eye of use needle. You use a little fine thread for that. And then a moment later, We realize that actually he didn't say rope he said camel and the absurdity the nonsense is doubled in its effect so that we really do hear jesus's point you can't do anything to get yourself into the kingdom it's beyond us mark tells us that they're on their way to jerusalem and jesus again repeats his understanding that he is going there in order to die Once again, we find the disciples terrified by that thought. And so once again, we see that they aren't able to do what they would need to. They can't even comprehend Jesus doing it. There's no way they can do what they would need to do to save themselves. Even when James and John come up to Jesus and try to stitch up the best seats in the kingdom, they quickly learn they can't make that happen either. Their fate is outside of their control. They can only receive what God will give them. In fact, the disciples start arguing like children about what's not fair, but none of that advances anybody's cause. Instead, Jesus comes back to his theme. It's about the Son of Man giving his life so that many will receive the kingdom. They can't do it, but he can and he will. you still not convinced? Well... Let me then introduce you to the three children who feature in Mark's Gospel. After all, if Jesus is saying, you want to receive the kingdom like a child, then it makes sense to look at some of the children that we encounter and see how they receive things. The first one we met in chapter 5, that 12-year-old girl, the daughter of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. You remember what she did to receive the kingdom, don't you? Nothing. She was lying there dead in the house. He couldn't do anything. Jesus was the one who gave her life again. The second child appeared more recently in chapter 9. And it's quite a dramatic story. There's a, a father who brings along his son. The boy has been for many years possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, one who seems to, to have a death wish. He keeps trying to throw the boy into d- the path of danger, trying to kill him. Now the boy's father had brought him to Jesus' disciples to ask for their help. Can you please get rid of this demon for me. And they'd failed. Jesus does the job. But as the demon leaves, it throws the boy on the ground and he's left lying there, we're told, like a corpse. What did the boy do to receive the kingdom? It's the same as the girl. Nothing. Interestingly, in both cases, Jesus then takes the child by the hand and raises them up to life again a bit like the way Jesus takes the children in our passage into his arms in order to bless them. But I promised you three children, didn't I? And so I still owe you one. He comes along at the end of chapter 10 and you may well have missed him. Let me read from verse 46. They then came to Jericho. While he, his disciples, and a considerable crowd were on their way out from Jericho, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him in an attempt to silence him. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call the man. They called the blind man over and said to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw away his cloak, leapt to his feet and came to Jesus. In response, Jesus said to him, What would you like for me to do for you? The blind man said to him, "Rabuni, that I will see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately the man regained his sight and followed him on the road. Now, I know what you're thinking, Bartimaeus isn't a child, isn't he? How old does it say that he is? Oh, well, Mark left that detail out. But what he does tell us, in fact, what he tells us with emphasis, is that this is a son. Bartimaeus isn't actually his name. It literally means Timaeus' son as Mark points out, he translates the Aramaic to to the Greek for those who didn't know it. Bartimaeus is given to us and presented as somebody's child. He wants to see again but there's nothing he can do to make that happen. He can't pull his eyes out and give them a bit of a spit and polish, pop them back in again. He can't go and upgrade them at the Apple eye store. He wants to benefit from the kingdom that Jesus brings But all he can do is ask for mercy. These three children, none of them can obtain what they need by themselves. But they all receive it from Jesus as a gift. But let me tell you about one more child. Because his story might help us to tie all of this together. His name was Ernest Thompson Seton. And he was born in 1860. He grew up at first in England and then the family moved to Canada. On his 21st birthday, his father invited him into his study and sat him down. And he took down from a shelf a hefty ledger book. He opened it up at E for Ernest, and then showed his son how he'd recorded every cent that he'd spent on him over the previous 21 years, starting with the delivery fee that the doctor had charged at his birth. And there was the running balance of costs in 19th century terms, $537.50. His father then explained that, to that point, he'd not been charging interest on any of this. But now that Ernest was a man, a rate of 6% annum would apply. I should be glad to have you reduce the amount at your earliest opportunity. Seton was gobsmacked, naturally. He declined his father's offer to provide him with a copy of the bill. Later, he paid the amount in full and never spoke to his father again. Happy birthday, son. Now, that's an appalling story, but it shows something very, very clearly. It was Seton's father that defined the nature of their relationship. In fact, the one who pretty much destroyed it. It wasn't like little Ernest popped into the world and immediately told his father that he should hang on to his receipts because he'd like to pay him back one day. The father shaped and defined the relationship. And in exactly the opposite way, God the Father defines the relationship that we have with Him. He says that we're to be His children. And so Jesus here has really just stated the obvious. If we are to be God's children, then we are to be His children from the very beginning all the way into eternity. We receive this gift, the, the opportunity to know God as Father, as a gift. We don't earn it, and we couldn't if we tried. We just receive it like every child receives from their parent. And over and over, Jesus has shown us in Mark's Gospel what this looks like. It means that he takes us by the hand and he gives us life. When Langdon preached on that rich young man a couple of weeks ago, he said something that that caught my ears. Uh, He said, the man had lost sight of eternal life. And that is exactly right. But Bartimaeus... When he had gained his sight, what did he do? He followed Jesus on the way, on the path that he was walking to Jerusalem. He didn't even stop to pick up the cloak that he had thrown aside when Jesus called him. You want to receive the kingdom like a child? Then it's as simple as being taken hold of by Jesus, being made alive in him, and then following after him, ready to take up our cross each day and honour the gift that he's given us there's no ledger kept because there's no price that can be put on the service that Jesus has done for us. It's all grace because our Father loves to give. When we hear this passage, we, we kind of want to think for ourselves, well, well, then what do I need to do to receive this like a child? But again, that throws the focus back on us. Receiving like a child actually gets us to look and lift our eyes to our Father and what He is like, to understand clearer and clearer what it means to call God Father teaches us what it is to receive as a child. It means we define our understanding and our faith by looking to God and who He is. We don't have to examine ourselves closely and work out if we're being too clever or, or too mature or too childish or, or any of those things. When Jesus says receive like a child, He's saying know that God is your Father. That's what it is, to receive the Kingdom, to be brought into God's household, His family, to be made one with Christ, to live for all eternity in that kind of relationship with God that we start off with, where He delights to give to us and we are grateful and receive. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank You that You are indeed a God of grace, And we pray pray that you would teach us more and more to be those who receive with thanks. Help us not to try and find things to do to earn your approval, to buy our way into your kingdom. But may we rest on what Jesus has done for us. May we be taken hold of and brought along with him, following, following him all the days of our life growing more and more like him, more and more into the shape of what it means to be your child. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.